Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. All right, we're back uh, live with uh, a wonderful Q&A show about hops or hop-related things. Uh, you know, you, you ask your questions uh, by sending them in to uh, brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com, and then uh, John and I eventually uh, get around to answering those questions. Yeah. I, I actually really enjoy the Q&A shows because, for me, it's a lot like, talking to homebrewers and just having you know a, a great conversation about um you know what they're doing what they're you know what they're curious about what they're experimenting with and that's the oh, yeah. best thing yeah. for me i you know uh, talking about subjects it's kind of like uh, it's like teaching a class or it's getting prepared for a presentation <laughs> it's you know it's enjoyable uh i think that's you know why i enjoy doing the show with you i mean we get to you know talk yeah. back and forth about it so it's more of a uh, homebrew discussion yeah but uh people are always kind of surprised at the conferences you know where they'll ask me a, you know it's like can i ask you a question i go sure you know what do you you yeah. know yeah, we'll stand <laughs> we'll stand there and talk about it and it's, you know I'm, I'm i enjoy doing that i mean it's yeah. it's fun well, <laughs> I, I think the thing that surprises people is uh you know come up and go uh you know i just want to say hi and so i go hi uh, you know, what do you do? How, you know, how long you been brewing? Yeah. They're like, oh, uh, it takes them by total surprise. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm I'm there to talk to people. I'm there to I'm there to have a good time. Um, and then uh, you know they'll be like, yeah, you know, you mind if I ask you questions? Like, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, I think what they're shocked of most is that I'm not going to let them go. They're, they they got to talk for a while, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like be, be prepared for me to uh, make you my entertainment for a while. I mean, I'm you know <laughs> we're gonna talk, you know. And then uh, sometimes it's uh, oh, a couple of times, you know, at the conferences, you'd be talking to somebody, and it's like, you know, I was gonna go get lunch. I'm starving. I got to be back for you know uh, a show or whatever. Uh, you know, you want to go to lunch. And they're like, uh, they start hyperventilating. Yeah, yeah like, let's go lunch. <laughs> so uh, that's always a blast. I mean, uh, we've met so many great people that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, just uh, dragging somebody out to lunch with us and and uh, uh, having fun and, and talking about that. So yeah, that's Definitely. that's my thing. I I absolutely love it. Um, speaking speaking of conference, mm-hmm. um, you remember when uh, crispy was, crispy fry was mm-hmm. talking about next year's conference in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, he's also saying, you know, hey, you know, Sean Paxson does such an awesome job with the uh, dinners, you know, the the banquets and so on, mm-hmm. trying to incorporate you know local ingredients into each uh, each year's uh, banquet. Mm-hmm. And uh, does he include Chris, water? Well, Chris, I mean, Chris was saying, you know, yeah, Michigan's got lots of great berries, blueberries, and so on. I'm thinking, oh, you know what you got to serve when you're in Michigan? <laughs> Deer and turkeys. I mean, because that's what. Oh. Michigan has more deer and turkeys, I think, than any other state in the Union. So. Yeah, I, I thought it would be walleye. <laughs> well, that would be nice, too. But, uh. <laughs> you know, you got to have your walleye, right, Palmer? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Had some of my last trip back. It was pretty nice. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's just like some of the greatest experience we've had. It's like, uh, you know, we grabbed a brew tattoo and uh, yeah. uh, a couple other folks when we were in uh, Minnesota. And we all went out to dinner or club. lunch or something. Yeah. Oh, you know, I treasure those those memories. That that's just uh, just just the most wonderful thing. I tell you, you know, that's that's what home brewing's about. That's what, and I think that's what craft beer's about. It's it's those experiences, that sharing yeah. that uh, 
you know, being part of a community of, you know, like-minded people. And, you, know, you have your differences. You know, there's all the political spectrum. There's all sorts of, uh, uh, oh, yeah. uh, you know, sexual interests. There's all sorts of, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, financial strata, you know, but, you know, down deep, we're all homebrewers and uh, it's just a blast. It's, it's it's just wonderful being part of this. I tell you. Yeah, what else is wonderful? What's Our that? fine sponsor, Blickman Engineering. He's a peach. <laughs> he's a peach or is he a pit? Or is he a pear? <laughs> he's, pro- he's got a pear, that's for sure. That peach has a pear. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, John John Blickman, he's paying for the show so you don't have to. So uh, you might want to go check out BlickmanEngineering.com. Blickman with two N's, engineering with like an E and a G or something. Uh, and .com spelled .com. And uh, check it out. they got lots of interesting stuff there. And you can uh, maybe send a good email to uh, John Blickman and tell him how much you appreciate that he's uh, sponsored the show all these years and, and kept uh, idiots like us on the air. Uh, to entertain you and uh, perhaps give you some useful information. All right. Uh, like I said, today we're going to get into uh, a uh, another live Q&A show, and we're going to talk about hops. And let's see here. Um, Mark Robinson, I believe. Is yeah. Our Go ahead. You want to handle the, take the first okay. one here, John? Sure. Um, Mark says... Just listen to the fir- to the podcast about double dry hopping. In it, Jamil says that he and Tasty always recommend a 90-minute boil. Since many recipes give hopping schedule based on 60-minute boils, can you tell me how to adapt that to a 90-minute boil? Do you just boil for 30 minutes and then start the regular hop schedule? Or do you start at 90 and spread it out at different intervals? Well, I can I can see where that would be kind of confusing to someone who hasn't uh, considered it before. Right. It's you know one of the the fun, basic fundamentals, but um, uh, you know I, I I think that uh, you know it's it's a good question. I think we lose sight of the fact that people are starting out listening to us. I mean, yep. originally yep. I think everybody that was listening had already brewed. <laughs> now we get yep. a lot of people that come to us before they've ever brewed anything. And, uh, you know, they're, so they're newer at it or they, you know, they've been following, you know, a, a very uh, strict kind of, um, uh, process. And so, you know, these changes, you know, it's good questions, you know, how do you, it's like, uh, steeping grains and going to all grain. It's like, well, do you keep those steeping grains separate? Do you, do, you know, what do you do? Uh, in this case, yeah, you just, uh, you start boiling and you put your first hop addition at 60 minutes and then then on from there you just boil without hops until that point yeah. um the uh interesting thing about that is if you're especially if you're making a bigger beer a lot of times you're not able to extract quite as dense enough a wort uh from your grains as you would uh with a smaller beer and so you may be off a few points what you can do is actually boil your wort until you get to whatever that concentration is that should be at 60 minutes uh, and then add your your first top addition. So you boil whatever amount of time before you get to that point. That yep. can be quite helpful. Okay. Right. You want to take the next one too? You want to you, you drive this bad boy? Uh, yeah. you, can, you can read? Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Tony uh, says... In this question, or sorry, if this question has been answered on Q&A, I've, I've heard it and forgotten. Can you explain about what is susceptible to UV light damage? I know that hop acids isomerize, but what about low to non-hop beer? What about cider, mead, or wine? Thanks. Uh, interesting question. I think, you know, there's, uh, you know, UV light has a you know, fair amount of energy in it, and I think that that is uh, capable of altering a lot of things. It's like uh, getting a sunburn. Uh, you know, your skin has no alpha acids to, uh, you know, become affected by the UV radiation, but uh, there's other things in your skin that are. Um, you know, same thing, anything that's, uh, you know, put in strong uh, UV light, um, you know, if you think about x-rays and things like that, that's uh, just, you know, another form of, uh, 
you know, uh, uh, you know, or microwaves. You know, you're just talking about different uh, wavelengths and uh, mm-hmm. you know more energy in the wave, and so. Uh, UV having a you know a fair amount of energy uh, compared to uh, you know visible light, uh, you know can affect. Uh, I imagine uh, a lot of things. If you have a especially a clear bottle, uh, you know uh, uh, malt compounds, alcohols, proteins. I'm not I'm not really sure, John. Do you know more about this than I do? Or uh, yeah, probably. I I guess the he just said probably. Yeah, that's that's his answer. <laughs> well, John, I've, do you know been... more more than I do? Probably. <laughs> I had a UV section in the water book. That's why I said that. Ah, there you go. So, yeah, when I when I was <laughs> just working on the water book recently, the, uh, the UV light is used for sterilizing um, incoming water supplies. Not sterilizing them so much as as breaking the, down any existing mm-hmm. organic contaminants in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very good for uh, breaking down chlorine. Mm-hmm. breaking down chloramines, and also other organic contaminants in the water, mm-hmm. such as pesticides, herbicides, mm-hmm. um, residual uh, disinfection byproducts, um, haloacetic acids, so it's a whole slew of things mm-hmm. that can be in an incoming uh, water supply, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, as slight contaminants, and the UV will br- help that irradiation helps break those down into smaller parts, mm-hmm. which in turn helps carbon filtration mm-hmm. absorb those pieces more effectively. Mm-hmm. So, in you know, in in beer, the 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 first thing everyone thinks about is skunking. Uh, UV light is responsible for skunking beers, mm-hmm. changing the the hop compounds, the isomerized alpha acids into a mercaptan type um, compound which is similar to skunk smell Mm -hmm. and uh, you'll get that in both clear and green bottles more so than in brown bottles but um, in terms of the the non-hop beer or the cider meat or wine Mm -hmm. um, there i think the you know strong uv light can certainly help uh, increase the oxidation rate or the staling rate mm-hmm. of these beverages. So, right. yeah, you'll get some flavor changes uh, from exposure. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, the addition of energy to any system uh, accelerates the processes that are going on, uh, you know, most notably temperature. Uh, you know, uh, as our friend uh, right. uh, Charlie Bamforth always says, you know, every... Uh, 10 degrees C doubles the rate of uh, staling, uh, the rate of anything, any chemical reaction, right? So, uh, you know, the energy uh, addition of UV light into into a system has got to have some effect along those lines. I wonder if, um, uh, you know, it, it could even perhaps uh, add to more of a cooked, uh, stale kind of uh, uh, yeah, character. Yeah, probably. So, uh, yeah, I think light damage is a... <coughs> A very real thing so uh ideally uh keep your your beer in brown bottles keep them out of the sun uh even in brown bottles i think uh you can have some some effect yep all right next question is from uh catfish dion and he's, he says i'm wondering about using hop pellets in a hop back or to or in a torpedo like the sigir nevada torpedo I understand that the whole hop cones act as a depth filter, keeping the smaller chunks from clogging the flow. Could a certain percentage of pellet hops be mixed in with leaf hops in a hop back? It seems like that a lot of varieties that you might want to use in a hop back are in short supply, and pellets are more readily available than whole flowers. Um, I don't. He says I don't have a hop back or torpedo to play with, but he said he'd like to try it out. All right. Let's do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll we'll answer that question and more right after this. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. 
the Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeast, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego Super Yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. What'd you get? More brewing ingredients? Yep. You know what I love about Brewmaster's Warehouse? The $6.99 shipping. Well, yeah, but... Oh, the in-store classes for beginning brewers. Yeah, that's cool, but... Oh, oh, the brew builder. Creating and saving your recipes online is awesome! No, I'm... Yes, but... The cheese-making supplies. No. Oh, the wine-making supplies. Oh, the distilling equipment and liquor flavorings. All that stuff is awesome, yes, but what I really love is that the guy who runs it is totally hot. And, and that brew builder software is awesome. Oh, yeah. Brewmaster's Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at brewmasterswarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmaster's Warehouse Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. Visit brewmasterswarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh, yeah. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, hops and all things hoppy about uh, beer and some of the questions that have come in. And uh, uh, yeah, the uh, I, I think we've uh, hit this question before, or a similar question about uh, using pellet hops and hop hack or a torpedo. Could be, yeah. Um, 
yeah, I would say you could probably mix, uh, you know, a certain amount of hop pellets, but you really need a uh, a base of uh, hop cones. The pellets, they can amazingly form a very fine, tight uh, block on any surface. They, depending yeah, on, on liquid flows, they can they can fan out and coat and just overlap just enough to stop any liquid from moving uh, whatsoever so uh, you know you'd need you need enough uh, cones in there to i think to kind of mix it up or um you know or kind of really. pack them into the the, f- the front where the liquid first comes in mm-hmm. and use the uh, hole hops towards the back where the liquid exits mm-hmm. um that would because a hop back is very See, i'm totally reversed my liquid exits out the front and my solids out the back ah <laughs> But I mean, I, I use a I use a Blickman hop rocket, and it's really good at keeping the tr- the tube from, in my boil kettle from uh, getting into my plate chiller. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll have you know I'll have lots of hop pellets in the boiler, and uh, you know there's a fair amount of them going into the hop back. When I empty the hop back, you you can see a layer of of fines, you know, in there. Uh, but it's not affecting the flow out of the hop back. You know, a lot of times people will put screens and stuff inside their kettle uh, to screen out uh, trube from uh, their uh, plate chiller. I wonder if it would be better if everybody went to like a hop rocket and packed it with like stainless scrubbies or something and then use that to filter out, er- out everything. Yeah. You know, if they didn't want, uh, you know, hop character, extra late hop character. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's what I usually do is I usually – I don't worry about them so much in the kettle when I'm brewing ales because I'm usually, you know, hop, I'm usually doing a late hop addition with the hop back. But uh, I've been doing some lagers recently where I didn't want that flavor. And uh, so I used, you know, a much tighter screen um, in the boil kettle, mm-hmm. which worked really well. Very nice. All right. All righty. And next one. Um Barry says, um, I've changed a couple of things in my brewing lately. Um, oh, no, sorry. Wrong. I skipped one. Let me go back. Robert? Uh, Robert says, I've been buying hops in bulk after harvest and vacuum sealing them in one-ounce packages. I'm wondering how long these will last in the freezer before I shouldn't bother with them. Do aromas fade? Alpha acids? Flavor? Good question. Uh, yeah, think? yeah, I think, well, yeah, yes, they fade. Um, you know, it, I guess uh, it depends if you're buying pellets or you're buying a uh, whole, whole cone. Um, I think the whole, whole cone do not, uh, are not as stable as the pelletized uh, hops. Um, but, uh, you know, if you vacuum seal them, you know, flush it with nitrogen, vacuum seal it after that, and then um, you freeze it. At freezer temperatures, uh, the hops will last years um, yeah. and are, are quite stable. I've I've had uh, pellet hops that uh, I had gotten from more beer that, you know, they nitrogen flush and seal it in that oxygen barrier mylar bag, those little baggies. And I found some hops that were like, you know, five years old. And boy, I tell you, you open it up, it's like fresh hops. You know, yeah. smells fantastic. I, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with them. I, uh, you know, good good to go uh, as far as brewing goes. It's it's temperature that is the and I've said this before. I've been saying this for years, and people are like, well, you know, it's the oxygen, it's all that. Yeah, all that adds some uh, impact, but the biggest factor is temperature because all that oxidation, all that stuff slows down. Just like uh, you know, Bamforth is saying. You know, at a higher temperature, every 10 degrees C, it's going twice as fast. Well, every 10 degrees C you knock off, it's going half as fast. So you get down, you know, cold enough, uh, you know, nothing happens. You get it to absolute zero, I'm telling you, your hops are not oxidizing at that point. <laughs> yeah. It is impossible. So the yeah. closer closer down you can get, uh, the more stable it will be. Um, so I, I, I think it's good at least for a year, right? Oh, yeah. I've I've had the same experience where I use um oh you know vacuum uh, vacuum sealer bags you know for food uh, that you can buy mm-hmm. and they're like a 
oh, what's the way they call that texture? Um, it's kind of got a, a rough uh, yeah. skin on it, type of thing. Yeah, yeah. They're they're a they're a they're a clear plastic, but mm-hmm. they're thicker, mm-hmm. and they've got a, kind of a gator skin kind of right, uh, right. surface on them. But uh, yeah, I've I've had hops. Um, well, and even those you could you know flush with some nitrogen. CO two also uh, works, yeah. yeah. And but, uh, uh, you know, uh, go with that, and then and then seal them up. Yeah, and li- and like you, I've I've got I've got hops five years old that still are very potent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and um, strong like bull. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think there's. Uh, you know, the the colder you can store it, uh, the better. Okay. Um, kind of a follow-up. Um, Vaughn asks, um, should you adjust the alpha acids percentage of hops based on their age? He says, um, the alpha acids and hops degrade over time. There are numerous online calculators that calculate an adjusted alpha acid percentage based on age and storage methods. I've used these calculators when my one-year-old hops were producing beers that were lacking in bitterness and found that my beers improved as a result. Does hop age figure into your brewing calculations? Do you think it makes a difference? Well, yeah, we were just kind of talking about that just now, weren't we? Yeah. And, you know, there there is some degradation over time, but, again, the colder you have it, um, you know the loss is is really minimal, um, and you know for me as a home brewer, I never bothered. I never bothered because I kept everything frozen. I you know used what I needed. It went right back in the freezer. Uh, you know they were the, the the difference was not enough to to really worry about. Either you're making really subtle beers, mm-hmm. and you know you're off by. A few IBU doesn't really matter because um, that's not what the beer is about. Or you're making uh, really hop forward beers, and you're putting such an insane amount of hops in, anyways. That again, it doesn't matter. You're not experiencing anything, uh, you know, noticeable one way or the other. That's what I found. I've got a section here from the uh, hops book that Stan Hieronymus wrote. Mm-hmm. Just came out this year from Brewers Publications, <clears throat> and uh, in on page 230, um, I forget which chapter this is, but he uh, cites Val Peacock, who uh, is a noted brewing scientist, and uh, mentions that uh, unopened pellets retain most of their alpha acid for five years when frozen. That's 26F for minus 3C. Two to three years when refrigerated, 40F for 4 degrees C. Um, the aroma will change more quickly. But at 26F, the, remo- the aroma seems relatively stable. Um, says, he says, unprotected pellets uh, store more poorly than cones, like from an open bag, mm-hmm. because the lupulin glands have been crushed to some degree, mm-hmm. whereas in a whole cone, they're relatively uncrushed. So, um, they're, if you have a pellet that's sitting warm, it's going to degrade faster than uh, a hop cone, he says. And he says here that cascade pellets should be good for two weeks at 50 degrees F or 10 degrees C and five weeks at 26 degrees F or 3 degrees C if, you know, opened to the air. But uh, they'll last longer if colder. So... Um, some really good information in this hop book. You might want to pick up a copy because it does discuss um, hot aroma and, and bitterness degradation in hops as well as the other other fine topics. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think uh, you know Stan did a fine job, and there's uh, uh, plenty of great information in that book to be had. Take a short break, and when we come back, more of your questions right after this. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's 
it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. Ah, tin, huh? Getting tired of that same old handcrafted beverages day after day? Are you looking for something with more diversity than your normal beer? Fellow BN Army member Michael Fairbrother, owner of Moonlight Meadery, is reviving an entire beverage category. Mead! The meads at Moonlight Meadery are all handcrafted from the finest honey on the market and are perfect for any occasion, like weddings, baby showers, or... Excuse me? Mead is not your average girly drink, mister, and Moonlight Meads can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere. Football games with the guys. Yeah. Barbecues with the guys. Yeah. Operating power tools with the guys. Yeah. Um, actually, sir, that's really dangerous. Good point, son. Next time you have something to celebrate or are just looking for a new tasting experience, pick up a bottle of mead from Moonlight Meadery. Now in 21 states, making over 60 varieties of mead from dry, semi-sweet to sweet. Break out of that craft beer law. Grab a bottle of Moonlight Mead. Can't find some? Then ask. No, make that demand some. Yeah! Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Talking about uh, hops for all your Q&A questions. That is, if you have questions... You can send them in to brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com. And uh, eventually, John and I will get to them. Yeah, we will. All right. Next question, John. Okay. Um, let's see. Well, well, now we're kind of moving off hops a bit. But um, Barry asks, he says, I've, I've changed a couple of things in my brewing lately. And one of the changes is that I've switched from iodifer to star sand for my sanitization. When I mix my star sand, it pretty immediate, pretty much immediately turns cloudy. I believe I remember hearing you guys say that it has something to do with the mineral content in the water. My question is, I know the amount of foam left over from sanitizing isn't much, but will cloudy star sand affect the clarity of the finished beer? If it does, will it eventually clear on its own? The other change I've made is that I've stopped using Irish moss in an attempt to figure out why my wife gets irritations after drinking homebrew. Yeah, my wife gets irritated when I drink homebrew, too. And I know some people are allergic to carrageenan, and I'm trying to rule it out as a possibility. I started using star sand and stopped using Irish moss at the same time, so I'm trying to nail down why my beer has been hazy. Well, I I think this is more of a case of Irish moss than star sand. What about you? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, put the Irish moss back. It has nothing to do with the star sand. Yeah. Now, do you suppose his wife is allergic to carrageenan in some way? Have um, you heard of that before? It might be. Might be. I'm not familiar with that, but it it is kind of a it is kind of a protein. So. Yeah, uh, people allergic to all sorts of stuff. Yeah. People allergic to their own sweat. I mean, you know, go figure. It would suck if she was allergic to protein. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Once you're married, they're all other shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Let's move on to the next one. Okay. Uh, Mike Thompson asks, he says, I'm a rookie all-grain brewer. I've been making a lot of small one- to two-gallon batches so that I can experiment with recipes and perfect my technique. So far, I've made a great porter, a pretty decent special bitter, and a Kolsch, which is my best beer by far. However, I've struck out on two different hoppy pale ales and an IPA. They're drinkable, but the flavors don't really mesh well, as if the malt and hops don't quite belong together. The aroma also doesn't seem to match up with the flavor. I think I have my mash and boil techniques down pretty well, and I have a fridge with a temperature controller to manage fermentation temps. I don't think sanitation is my issue because my other beers have turned out great. What should I tweak next? Yeast selection or water? He goes on to say, I've been using Saf Ale 05 for the pale ales and the IPA, and I rehydrate prior to pitching. I use 5 to 6 grams for a 1-gallon batch, which should be plenty. Should I move on to a different yeast strain? That's kind of question one. Question two is, I use filtered tap water and haven't made any mineral additions and haven't measured mash pH. My water report doesn't give me any information about hardness or alkalinity, but it does tell me that the sulfate content is 19 parts per million. Is that too low for a hoppy beer? Should I consider adding gypsum to increase the sulfate content of my water? Um, I, I like this question. I think uh, he's given us a lot of good information about his process um, and you know, and some background information on the beers so we got things to compare to. Oh, I hate this question. <laughs> Too much information. I don't know. <laughs> Just make us guess. Um. I don't know. What, what's your first thought? Uh, yeah, you could add some more uh, some sulfate. You could you could hit it with some gypsum. Um, you know the you know the flavors don't really mesh well. Uh, you know it may be you're choosing crappy hops and weird malt or something. I don't know. I, I there's not enough information really there to uh, to go with. Um, and I mean, you know, you can add sulfate, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to integrate odd flavors. If you're adding, you know, weird flavors together, you, you could adjust your water all you want. Um, you know, the only thing I get from this is you really should be checking, you know, mash pH. Yeah. Um, because you're you're saying you got some dark beers that worked out great, and you got some pale beers that didn't. So I would assume maybe mash pH, and you know, there might be uh, some gypsum you could add with that, um, but. Uh, yeah, I think that that maybe is your is your issue there. Yeah. Do you, do you think? Um, well, I guess I'm thinking that yeast strain wouldn't necessarily um, fix this problem. As you say, the the malt and hop flares aren't meshing well together. Mm-hmm. It, I have a feeling it is probably more of a pH uh, situation. Mm-hmm. If your mash pH goes too high. Um, say towards six, then your your malt flavors are going to be kind of dull, mm-hmm. and then your hop flavors are going to be, or your hop bitterness is going to be kind of harsh, mm-hmm. and I think that could result could in be a, a beer issue, that doesn't yeah. taste very bright. Um, right, and, and when, so that could be part of the problem. When he's doing darker beers, it becomes more acidic, and yeah. everything works out. Mm-hmm. Um, the Safale O five should work out fine for pale ales and IPAs. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I would, I would, uh, you know, lean towards the the pH as a yeah. potential issue, and maybe add a little calcium sulfate or mm-hmm. gypsum. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely get some test papers or something and check your check your mash pH. Yep. five two to five six is what you're looking for somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay. Um, Jeremy asks. Let's see. I know a Q and A episode only just came out. Um, can't listen live as in, in Australia and I'm not sure how it works for getting your questions on the next episode but I have a question regarding head retention that I thought others might want to know the answer to as well I've brewed a couple of half of wheat vice beers recently uh, more than 60% wheat malt that produce a fantastic thick stark white rocky dense head 
but then it disappears within a minute or two. I'm reasonably certain my glassware is not the culprit. I was a wine waiter and know how to clean glassware. I have two questions that what about what it might be. One, I think I remember you guys talking on either Bruce Strong or Jamil show about concentrated boils giving less proteins in the final volume and therefore less for head retention. I do concentrated boils, about 16 liters um, or 4 gallons, so this might be the cause. Two, the batches I've noticed the problem with were mashed and boiled in stainless steel vessels cleaned with dishwashing detergent. I had run out of PBW. Could some of that residue be hitching a ride the whole way along the brewing process and killing my head stain power? Are either of these a real concern, or is there another explanation? Mm. Um, you know, without knowing the exact recipe and all that, it's difficult to say. Because, you know, for example, concentrated boil, uh, he does not say what he is diluting that down to. I mean, he's starting with 16 liter. Is he then going to 23 liters? Is he going to 32 liters? Is he going to 150 liters? You know, that would make a big difference. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that can impact it. If you're only diluting it... Uh, you know, ten percent, twenty percent, probably not the issue. Um, the uh, the dishwashing detergent could possibly carry through. I mean, that has some potential, I, I think. But um, uh, yeah, he's doing it in the kettle, and I mean, if it was the mash, I'd say it's probably not carrying through all the way, but. Yeah. In the kettle, maybe that could be something there. Um, you know, I'd, I'd go ahead and you know avoid that if 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 you could. You know, give extra good rinses. But my thought, often what I found was by letting the beer sit uh, a longer period of time, what happened was, and and, you, and he should try this with his beers. Just let it sit for for a few weeks, a month, whatever, in the keg without moving. And these ultra-fine particles, uh, a beer that looks perfectly clear, will have all these ultra-fine particles form a dusting across the bottom of the keg. And um, as those particles drop out, there are nucleation sites that, um, you know, once you get them out of the beer, that head will form and it'll just last forever. It just stays there. I think, you know, that's part of it. Um, you know, if otherwise he's, he's getting, uh, you know, good results. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, that's that's that a really good point. I hadn't considered that aspect, but uh, you're right. Um, the the residual particles could uh, act as as uh, coagulation points in the head and help it fall faster, even though it mm-hmm. forms mm-hmm. a nice head initially. Mm-hmm. It's a good thought. Yeah, and you, you know, uh, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that uh, could be. Um, you know, just a uh, a bacteria or a wild yeast or something in there that's uh, you know consuming things. Um, no, that could be. Yeah, uh, hard to say. But um, yeah, maybe try. Hmm. Yeah, without the recipe and the beer. Yeah, you're know, tasting the beer. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it is tricky. Yeah, would some of those um, foam control potentially help him, do you think? I don't know if that would act to counteract his uh, rinse um, agents in the detergent. uh, Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Generally, um, the foam controls just keep uh, uh, foam from forming in the first place. Uh, And then, um, you know, so you have better um, foam later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those don't, don't seem to carry through. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Well, good luck in the future there. <laughs> I'm sure we've helped you a lot. <laughs> and I'll tell you this. If you want uh, you want some help in the bedroom, check out com. our fine sponsor. Yeah, they've got all sorts of goodies, toys, games, exotic extras to help uh, make your bedroom experience that much more, uh, or your brew day, that much more exciting. I mean, imagine whipping out a giant dong to uh, stir the mash with the, yeah. the look on your brew buddy's uh, face. Talk about fantastic, <laughs> thick, rocky, <laughs> dense head. Creamy head, yeah. Uh, just whip that thing out. 
uh, go over to adamandeve.com and uh, enter the offer code Jamil, J-A-M-I-L. And what happens is you, you choose just about any one item, and you're going to get 50% off of that item. You buy that one on 50% off, you're going to get a free extra gift so essential I can't mention it. You're going to get uh, three free DVDs of your choosing. You choose from categories like anal, armchair, Asian, big butts, big breasts, uh, um, gingers, gay, lesbian, that, all sorts of categories. And then on top of it all, they're going to ship it to you for free. So you buy one item 50% off, which is hardly anything, and then you get all this other stuff for free and shipped for free. So you don't have to, you know, the thing that usually costs you a bunch and all these great deals is shipping? Well, no. They got that for free, too. So it's a great deal. Check it out, adamandeve.com. You can even uh, do it mobile. You can go uh, to m.adamandeve.com and, uh, or your phone will recognize or whatever, and you can be uh, checking out all the goodies uh, before you get home and uh, meet up with your brew buddy. Or while you're brewing, you could be uh, looking for your next great uh, mash paddle. You know, like a 36-inch long, veiny mash battle. <laughs> I'm sure they one. <laughs> so check it out today, adamandeve.com. All right, let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll, we'll wrap up uh, the rest of those questions after this. BN Army Hop Tech has a great discount waiting for you. Do you often find it difficult to find specific specialty ingredients for your homebrew recipes? Well, listen to this. Hop Tech stocks 59 different grains to choose from, 39 varieties of pellet hops, and 8 kinds of holy pops. And Hop Tech not only carries Y yeast and White Labs yeast for you, but also Fermentus, 04, 5, 6, 23, 33, and T58 Belgian yeast, plus Cooper's Nottingham and Windsor yeasts. Got your recipe ready to go? Pick up some great brew gear like new long and short sleeve shirts, games, and more. HopTech's new website is being updated every day with new items. If you don't see it, call the shop. They're open six days a week. BN Army and AHA members get a 10% discount, and active military personnel get 15% off. Visit HopTech.com today for great selection, great service, and a great discount. HopTech.com. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite Bare Bones Club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W Nico Brew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Hey, dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good, but stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, write-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water-resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog Tags stay on in water or an ice chest, and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to Customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Ugh, it's that pseudo-Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some grog tags, dude. Grog tag. At least your beer will look good. Grogtag.com Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzkrankstein? Yes, J.P. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My father, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creatures out of the acid. <laughs> yes, J.P. We will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power. 
Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Glickman's with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to enjoy a fight. Don't be silly, JP. We have beer to brew. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. All right, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits? $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt. The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit AustinHomebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have many clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit AustinHomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply. AustinHomebrew.com Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. Having a lovely time in the studio. I really do think we need to be uh, packaging up the uh, in-between <laughs> in between, uh, spots, the off-air stuff. And, Brewing uh, Network Breaks. Brewing Network Breaks. I'm telling you, it would be, it'd be a, a gold mine of great radio. Or... <laughs> seriously disturbed uh conversations uh speaking of seriously disturbed conversations what do we got going on in the chat room we got any questions from our live listeners yeah we do boise brewer wants to know if you are low on a pre-boil gravity Mm -hmm. and boil longer to hit the gravity we're aiming for do you need to adjust the hop amounts to account for the extra liquid you boiled off uh no well that's the thing that uh tasty and i always talk about is um a boil uh, until you, you should be checking your your starting gravity. You know you've you've run off on the mash or you've dissolved your extract or whatever, and you're steeping grains. Check your gravity and see if that is where you should be at the beginning of the boil. If not, uh, boil or dilute until you get to wherever that starting gravity should be, and then do your you know first top addition, or then boil for whatever period of time, and then do your first top addition. Mike wants to know, can you ask uh, what they think about vacuum packaging and freezing wet hops, homegrown without drying them? Have you tried it before? Any reason not to, etc.? Oh, you know, the wet hops, um, anytime I've tried doing that, uh, I got a snotty, slimy mess in the end. <laughs> so it did not work for me. But maybe I just did it wrong. I think, you know... I guess if you could like vacuum freeze them really fast and get the moisture out. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, like the cells explode when you freeze it and it's just it's like snot. It's like slime. You think it would work though if they could if they could freeze it instantly? If you were if you have the ability to make like freeze-dried uh, astronaut ice cream, freeze-dried ice cream, <laughs> then you could probably make make that work. 
But, I uh, always had good luck, you know, yeah. drying my hops at home. Well, they're talking yeah. about wet hops, not, yeah. not dry hops, but wet, okay. fresh hops, and wet, and then freezing them wet, and then reusing them later to and make what, a wet hop beer. Yeah, and what happens is uh, the water explodes all the cells, and all yeah. the the cell structure disappears, and it's just a pile of snot and water, and it's very disgusting. So, like, when Sierra Nevada makes a fresh hop beer, what do they do? They, just, they use fresh hops. Okay, it just goes straight from the plant right. into the beer. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, you, you, freezing them, um, I, I think it just doesn't work. Okay, here's one from uh, Brian. He's confused about bittering additions, he says. At a 60-minute addition, um, is he to understand the hop used will not impart any flavors, just bittering components? No, it imparts flavor. Um, you know, it, it can be fairly subtle. It depends on how much you're doing and what kind of hop. Um, if, you, if you're doing something like, a, let's say you're doing a, a very light uh, wheat ale and uh, you want it, you know, to be, uh, you know, this, this bittering you add and you add like uh, summit hops or something like that, you'll taste that hop in the, in the end. You could use something else. You could use like Halitau, uh, you know, something like that. You can actually taste those hops in a in a in a clean, uh, you know, fairly neutral beer. They're, it's just quite obvious, especially if you use uh, a large amount. If you're using a low alpha acid hop, and you add a lot of it in order to get enough bittering, uh, it'll be even more prominent. If you're using a real high alpha hop and you use just a tiny bit, sometimes it won't be too noticeable. In a bigger, more complex beer, where you're doing all these late hop additions, the early hop additions barely matter because it's you know it's buried under so much. Uh, Boise Brewer is following up on his uh, question about uh, adjusting hop amounts to mm-hmm. account for extra liquid. He wants to put a finer point on it. He's asking about the amount of hops he's adding, not the times for additions. So if he boils longer, uh, there will be less wort in the kettle. If uh, he uses his original hop amounts. Will he be getting additional IBUs? Oh, I see. I see. So yeah, Higher yeah, yeah. Right, right. So let's say you're boiling down because you have not co- collected enough liquid. You, you know, you're you're getting to the right gravity, but your volume has now fallen below what you had before. Yes, you need to adjust your your amounts of your hops. So let's say. You're you're supposed to have six gallons at the beginning of boil of ten fifty two wort, and instead it was you know ten forty eight. So you boiled it a little extra longer. You ended up with five and a half gallons of uh, uh, you know ten fifty two. Well, that half a gallon difference you need to account for that. So you would uh, what you do is uh, it's real simple. You multiply number of gallons times uh, ounces of hops or grams of hops, right? And then you divide by your current number of gallons or whatever, and it you you're able to uh, just adjust down uh, from there. You can go you know number IBUs, number of grams, whatever you whatever you wish. Okay, hopefully that cleared it up for you, Boise. Thanks to everybody in the chat room for your participation. Another great show. Thank you, everybody, for for participating. Uh, Make sure to to tune in next time. We'll be uh, hopefully talking about uh, uh, nano brewing again. We've got somebody, uh, Ken, who's uh, actually just recently started up a nano brew uh, quite successfully. So uh, we want to see how he did it and uh, pass that information along to you guys. And we'll be doing other fun shows in the future and more Q&A. In the meantime, check out our uh, great sponsors, Blickman Engineering, BlickmanEngineering.com. They're paying for this show so you don't have to, so show them some love. And uh, check out AdamandEve.com. Check out the Brewing Network store as well. Till then, Brew Strong, everybody. Brew Strong. Brew Strong.